All right, well, hey, you got to strap up right now. Um, so this is one of those messages that is like, um, it's kind of like a John the Baptist message. Not a lot of fluff, not a lot of funny illustrations or clever things, you know, no signage, no teddy bears. Yeah, this is, this is, this is it. How many times do you suppose I've preached on the mission in this church? Bet you couldn't count it on, for sure, maybe two hands. You could, maybe two hands. Seven, eight, nine times. Always from Matthew chapter 28. The mission what we're supposed to do, what he told us to do, right? Before I get into that, we're in a series called Stay, Waiting for the Promise. And what's interesting about the mission is the mission is go. But the series is stay. The series is what Jesus did from the resurrection to ascension, and then ongoing 10 more days to Pentecost, right? We wanted to look at like, hey, where does that power and acts come from? He rose on day one. You're like, why are you pointing this way? Isn't the sign usually over here? We used to have these signs out here. Day one, day eight, Thomas, gone fishing sometime in the middle right? In Galilee. And then day 40 is Ascension, and day 50 is Pentecost. We'll get to what they did between the days there, but we got one more message, and it's the mission. How important is the mission? Real important. So, what did Jesus do between Resurrection Sunday and Pentecost, or the Ascension, right? Because he left, but we know from number two that he gave some instructions for the Holy Spirit. So he probably still kept meeting with them those ten days. Let's not be silly. <laughs> oh, He kept meeting with them those ten days. They were praying, right? Just like you were communing with him earlier. So what did Jesus do between resurrection and ascension? I'm going to go through these seven things really quickly. You were like, I thought it was four. I added three. All right. So here they are. You ready? <laughs> He's like, I added three. I found three more in the scriptures. There we go. I didn't add anything. All right. Number one, Jesus opened their mind to understand the scriptures. That's from Luke chapter 24. We'll get there later. Number two, Jesus gave them commands through the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? That's mysterious. He gave them commands. So he wasn't right with them, but somehow through the Holy Spirit, he gave them commands. Hey, Emily, you're going to do this. Without him being in the room, he told them. Now, maybe today while I'm preaching, God's going to give you a, a sense, a, a nudge, a he's going to speak to you through the Holy Spirit. You need to be saved, or you need to start telling people about Jesus, or you need to be baptized, or you need to... 
it probably won't be like real strong. It might be. It might be more like, hey, I think you might want to, I think it'd be a good idea if you, because the Holy Spirit's not like a bull. You have to yield to him. But he's going to speak. All right, three. Jesus presented himself alive by many proofs. I've added that one. Jesus did present himself. He's like, hey, here's my hands, here's my feet. So we know that Jesus rose from the dead. Tons of witnesses, over 500 witnesses, 1 Corinthians 15 says. Okay, all right. Jesus spoke to them about the kingdom of God. He's like, hey, there's a kingdom. It's not President Joe Biden. It's not whatever world leader you want to name. It's my spiritual kingdom that I rule from the right hand of the Father right now. Okay? We always say kingdom come. But Jesus died, kingdom came, right? We just haven't realized everything yet. But it's here, it's now, he's our king now. All right. Number five, Jesus ordered them to wait for the promise of the Father. That's why we're in this series. He's like, wait, 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 sending you a promise. Now I added two more. Number six, Jesus promised that his followers would be filled with the Spirit. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you will be filled with the Spirit. He promised. He promised. Right? So if you're a follower of Jesus, you got some dynamite coming. Right? If it's not already there, it's coming. Right? Because he promised. All right? And number seven, Jesus gave his followers a mission with a mighty message. He gave his followers a mission. This is what you're going to do until you see me again. And it's mighty, and it packs a punch. Let's start now. Flip your Bible open to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. I want to get real fluffy and ask you all these questions about, you know, God gave me some good ideas about mission and what's your purpose in life and how does that relate to the Great Commission? Yeah, those are all good things. Do you know what God placed you on the earth to do? Well, I'm about to tell you. Because you don't have to, like, guess. He's like, hey, if you're a follower of mine, here's how you're going to spend your time, your money, your energy. This is what I need you, I want you to do. So by the end of this message, you're going to be like, oh, that's how you stay on mission. That's how you do it, even if you're waiting for something, that's how you stay on mission, okay? Because we're waiting for the promise, but we're staying on the mission with a mighty message. Okay, so let's go for it. If you're in uh, Matthew chapter 28, say you're there. Okay, verse 16, are you there? Okay, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee. Well, I thought there was only seven in Galilee. Didn't I preach before from John chapter 21? There's seven guys in the boat, right? Yeah, well, those seven guys were in the boat. They went fishing. Good for them. Maybe the other four were like on the mountain going, I thought he said he was coming back. I thought he said he was going to meet us here. But Peter, hey, I'm going fishing. Who's going with me? You're leading the wrong direction, bro. Jesus had to go get him on the shore and say, get out of the boat, man. No, he didn't do that. 
Peter jumped out of the boat when he realized it was him. Jesus never makes us do things. He invites us to do things. And today he invites us to the mission. And when they saw him, so they physically saw Jesus, after he was crucified and he rose from the dead, when they saw Jesus, what do you think they did? Jesus! You know, they worshipped him. Like, there is no one like you. Nobody raises themselves from the dead. They worshipped him. Read the next phrase. What does it say? What? You have got to be outside your mind. This will date me, but what are you talking about, Willis? I mean, like, that doesn't make any sense. Why would you doubt? You're seeing him. Now, are they seeing him from a distance? Maybe it's not close. Maybe there's 500, right? And so from away, I'm like, oh, I think Jesus is up there, but I'm not sure. Like, I don't know what's going on. I just read the Bible. It says some doubted. And I'm astounded, other than I know my own flesh. And the fact that the problem is, let's throw that slide up there. The problem is unbelief. You're going to see that in Mark when we get there. Because I'm not just going to preach from Matthew like I always have before. I'm going to Mark and to Luke. Okay, so you're going to see unbelief in Mark chapter 16. Unbelief is the problem. Here is the solution. You got one of these? The solution is to believe in, to belong to, and to become like Jesus. How long does that take? A lifetime. Believe in is a moment in time. It's a crisis. Oh my goodness, I need something. Jesus. And it's a process. Because isn't it true? Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. I loved Him on Sunday, but it's Monday, and I'm in the ditch. Well, return to the crisis. Where you're like, I need you, God! And then work out the process again. Belong, belong's a good thing. You belong here. Not only do you belong here, anybody that calls Jesus Lord belongs here. Right? They can all come. And we'll study the Word together. You belong here. We need each other. The Bible says, and so much more as you see the day the day of Christ, approaching. Have you felt any birth pains lately? Jesus is coming back. I don't know when. I'm not putting a date on it. But it hurts more now than it ever has. This world is contorting and twisting and saying, would you guys stop sinning? Like it never has before. We need to come together We belong together and become like Jesus. Okay, so believe, belong, become. You're going to see those things throughout the message. Uh, I just want to get those off to you first. Okay, so problem is what, church? Unbelief. It is. No, I don't believe it. (laughs) Yeah, I know. That's the problem. I get it. Right? Right? But the solution is faith, believe, 
belong, become like Jesus. Okay, you've got it. I've nailed it. I hope the Holy Spirit seals it on your heart right now in Jesus' name. Some doubted, and Jesus came. Now, I want you to notice verse 18. And Jesus came, and he said to them, all, circle that all. All, 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 all. Who says that Christianity is exclusive? It's very inclusive, right? You're all invited. All nations. Everybody has a chance to be saved. If you reject it, that's on you, not him. All. I think Christianity gets a bad rap. It's exclusive. You have to do certain things. You have to have certain handshakes. You've got to wear certain underwear or something. This is, like, this is crazy. All right. All authority. Underline that word authority. Authority is what the mission starts with. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority, I could say it all day and you wouldn't understand. How much authority does God have? All. So why do you stay up late at night and worry? So why are you wondering if you're going to meet that next bill or the next thing? No, no, no. If we really get it, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. He's in control. He knows what's best. I'm in his uh, will when I rest in him. He says, go, therefore. That's a participle, a verb. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Make disciples is the main verb. It has three participles. Go, baptize, teach. Okay. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. When is the end of the age? I think that's important for this. When does the end of the age? When Jesus Christ comes back. It'll be the end of the church age. Right now we live in a church age. The church is the hope of the world. And until Jesus comes back, we're on that mission, church. This is our age. All right. The point, the mission, it all starts with authority. Whose authority? Authority of God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. All authority, Jesus speaking, God incarnate, flesh, resurrected body. So they're like, Who are you? <laughs> all authority. He says, therefore, because I have all authority, therefore, because I have all authority, you can't do this, make disciples without the authority. You can't do it. You can't go without authority. You can't baptize without authority. You can't teach without authority. It's not your authority. I'm not going to stand up here and say, do you need to be healed? I heal you. I heal you. It's not my authority. It's God's authority. 
Now, if God tells me you need to be healed and that I'm the one to do it, I will get my hands on you and heal you, right? It's his authority. Going with the gospel, baptizing in water and in spirit, teaching them all Jesus has commanded you. Now, I want to just say this about teaching. You can't teach what you don't know. So, you're not going to teach your kids about tithing if you don't know about tithing. You're like, what's tithing? Okay, come back another time. <laughs> All right? You, you can't teach your kids about Sabbath if you don't know about Sabbath. You're like, dude, two for two. What's Sabbath? I don't know. Come back another time. All right? So, like, I can't teach everything today. But you can learn from the Word. You're like, where do I look at tithing? Well, there's a lot of places. Okay? 2 Corinthians 8, 9. Nobody's writing it down. Okay, you guys do know about tithing. Awesome. Malachi 3. Okay, so Sabbath, you just go all the way back. God rested on the seventh day. Genesis 1. You know, that's been there a while. Etc., etc., etc. How many things have you learned? Some of you were uh, having premarital sex, and then you, you started, you were like, oh, the Bible says I shouldn't do that. And then you're like, stop, you're right? And it wasn't easy, because sex is the glue that binds people together, right? And so there was a bit of a tearing there. Shouldn't have been connected yet anyway, but there's a bit of a tearing. And, but when you read it, and you go, oh, I'm not supposed to, oh, that, this is for my benefit, that I don't do this, that I wait until marriage. And then there's more, right? And more and more and more. You just start, that was an example. You just start reading these things and going, oh, what do you mean I'm not supposed to be lazy? I like playing video games all day. It says a man shouldn't eat if he doesn't work. Go to work. Make a living. Right? Okay, so you read these things, but you can't teach what you don't know. If I haven't learned it yet, I can't teach it to you. All right, I want to prove the authority of God to you, so flip one page to Mark chapter 1. Flip one page to Mark chapter 1, and I have to hustle. So I'm going to read this for you, and I'm going to let the Holy Spirit do the applying, right? I want to stop every time and be like, oh, and it means this, and oh, you should think about this, and I want to do that. But because of time, I want to just read it for you. I want you to see the authority of God. Okay, here it is. Mark chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning... The gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord! Make straight his paths! John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and honey. 
Keep reading, Steve. And he preached, saying, After me comes he, Jesus, who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water for repentance, with forgiveness, confessing my sins. But He, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when He came up out of the water, immediately He saw the heavens being torn open. Oh, that you would come and rend the heavens and that the... Right? Isaiah 64. That happened right here. Heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on Him like a dove and a voice from heaven. You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. That was a shocker. The Spirit immediately drove Him into the wilderness. And He was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. He was on mission and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting their net into the sea, for they were fishermen. That's why the seven went fishing. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. Is that authority or not? Hey, you, follow me. All right. (laughs) What? Tanner, I need you to follow me. All right? You with me. Tanner's like, I got a job, dude. I'm going to UPS tomorrow. No, no, you're with me. What kind of authority would that be? That'd be pretty sweet. Keep reading, you're going to see it. And going a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. They were in the boat mending their nets, and immediately he called them. What do you think he said? Follow me! And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. What? That's authority. And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching, and they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority. Underline it in your Bible. And not as the scribes, not as the religious leaders. There's a lot of pastors preaching this morning. I pray that they preach with authority, but not all of them will. Some will grab some note cards, leave this Bible on the back seat, grab some note cards and start saying some things that they think will be good and profitable for you. Leave the note cards at home, bring out your Bible, and let's go! I don't know who's going to listen to that, but somebody need to hear it, because I'm off track. 
and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. You mean somebody in the church was demon-possessed? That's exactly what I mean. That's exactly what it says. And he cried out. Imagine Jesus teaching. Hey, y'all, you need to come. He's like, he's teaching. And this guy's like, what have, you do, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. He's got a heckler. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. He just cast out a demon. And the unclean spirit convulsing him, have you seen that? And crying out with a loud voice came out of him. We're all too prim and proper. We don't see that in our culture. But it's around. And they were all amazed so that they questioned among themselves saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority? Darn tootin'. We're talking about Jesus. He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding regions of Galilee. Everybody's talking. Can you believe this dude? He just cast out a demon in the church. Hallelujah. And immediately he left the synagogue and he entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John, because they're following him. And now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a fever. And immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her. <gasps> I'm going to read that again. You guys are all like, what? You guys are just going to keep reading. Like, no big deal. Well, Jesus does that, but it doesn't happen anymore. Okay. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her. What? And she began to serve them. And evening, at sundown, they brought to him, because his fame had spread, all who were sick. How many? All. Or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathering together at the door, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases. And he cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. He's like, it's not time yet. Shut up. But there's going to be a time when it's time to speak. Is that time now? It is. Jesus is alive. He's risen from the dead. It's time to start saying it. Demons aren't saying it now, are they? No, they're trying to hide it from you. They're trying to twist you up. And rising very early in the morning, get this part. Jesus can't just do all this without some time with God. Well, Jesus is God. Can't he just like... He's fully man. He needs to be full of the Spirit. So he's going to get alone and he's going to pray. This is your model. This is who we're supposed to be like. Don't lose that. You want to do great things? You better get alone in prayer. You want that message of the mission to be mighty? You're going to have to get alone in prayer. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, 
he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. I have that circled, exclamation point by it. He prayed. He prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. Come on, man. And he said to them, Let us go to the next towns. How did he know to do that? Instructions from God as he's with him in prayer. Let's go to the next towns that I may preach there also. For that is why I came. And when we went, when he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. He went to the church and started casting out demons. Why? Because there's filth in the church too. Right? All right, that's enough. Just, could you keep, could you go read Mark and just see the authority, see the power. Let it just encourage you and be like, yes! I can do anything! Yes, you can. If you believe it. Mark 3 was especially uh, exciting to me this week. So you go read that at least. If you can't read the whole book, read, read Mark 3. All right. I'm in chapter 16 of Mark. Keep turning. To the right. Till you get to the number 16. It's large. When you get there, find verse 14. We're going to continue our message. Stay on mission with a mighty message. Number one, the mission, it all starts with authority. I hope you've seen that. And Jesus says, I am always with you. Right? I am always with you. Now, point two, the message. And you need to know this, it is accompanied by signs. The message is accompanied by signs. You're like, where do you get that? Okay, well, look at Mark chapter 14, or chapter 16, verse 14. Afterward, he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at table, and he rebuked them for their unbelief. You don't see God rebuking his disciples a lot. There's a few times. He's like, get behind me, Satan, when Peter's like, no, you're not going to go to the cross. Now he's saying, like, dude, you got to stop this unbelief train. Mary comes and tells you, you're like, I don't believe it. Two guys come from the road to Emmaus. At least some of you are like, yeah, I don't know. Peter, I showed up at his door. He's trying to speak to you and say it. You're like, nah, I don't get it. I still doubt. He rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart. What would he do with us? That's what, I read this and I was like, do I believe? Or would you come in here and be like, Steve, what is wrong with you? Are you serious? There is a layer of ice around that thing. Heat that baby up with the resurrection blood and power. Let's go. I always wonder how God would interact with me today. Because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. Now, those who saw him after he had risen wrote this book by the power of the Holy Spirit. So if you're like, I don't believe it, then I think Jesus is coming and saying, hey, what's wrong with you? I gave you my word. I preserved it for years. How many people tried to like burn this word? How many people tried to get rid of every word of this? 
And I preserved it, sustained it, and gave it to you in abundance. There's 20 Bibles out there. You need one, take one home. Read it, devour it, underline it, circle it. Let the Holy Spirit speak through it. I told you this is a message from John the Baptist. You're like, could you just quiet down a bit? Jeez, you're yelling a lot. All right, I'll try to tone it down. I don't think it's going to happen, though. Okay. Verse 15. And he said to them, the Great Commission. It's right here. Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation, all nations. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Oh, man, that's a conundrum theologically. I thought if you just believed, you were saved. Now you got to be baptized, too? Keep reading. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. Okay, so now he took the baptism out, didn't he? Why did he say baptism? Because people that believe get baptized. It's not a problem to me. Of course I'm getting baptized. I believe. You're not adding anything to salvation. But if I don't believe, I'm condemned. Well, we all get that. I read John chapter 3. I, I understand. God loves me, but if I reject it, then I'm condemned. Because of my own sin. I get it. Keep reading, verse 17. This is the this is humdinger. I mean, ding, 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 ding. We're on it now. And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. And they will, one, cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. Ooh, that got weird. They will pick up serpents, now it got crazy weird, with their hands, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. I ain't drinking poison today. You're dumb if you do. God's not asking you to drink poison. And I'm pretty sure he's not real fond of you handling snakes. I just, I don't see that. I'll get to what it says. They will lay their hands, that's where you should lay your hands, not on some snake that might bite you, but on somebody that needs healing. I will lay the, they will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. So then Jesus, the Lord Jesus, when he had spoken this, he was taken up into heaven, we saw that, the ascension, and sat down at the right hand of God, and they went out and preached everywhere. They did the mission while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. Period. When did that stop? When did that stop? When did verse 17 become a non-factor to Christianity? May I remind you of the last part of Matthew 28? When he said, Behold, I am with you, to the end of the age. We put the Bible together, it makes sense. Why aren't we casting out demons? Because we have no authority. Because you should not try to cast out a demon without God in you. You're going to get mastered. Sorry to use all these quotes. I've read a lot of scripture, but like, seven sons of Sceva? Yeah, and Acts? Yeah, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but you, who are you? Run! 
So these aren't things to be trifled with, but we have the authority and the signs accompany our own faith and belief. Let's just look at it this way. I wrote down four Ps. Well, they're actually three Ps, but Power, authority to cast out demons, evil spirits. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit and somebody comes up to you and they're acting weird, crazy, foaming at the mouth, whatever. The, what, I mean, a lot of times it's very deceptive. They're just a little, I, I did a wedding recently. Bonafide crazy. Like somebody at the wedding was just crazy. I spent a lot of time with this person trying to calm them down. And they would get really calm and be fine. And all of a sudden, ah! And they'd just be on nuts. Almost like you were scared for your life nuts. Even though you're bigger and stronger. Physically. But how are you doing spiritually? Can you master that thing? Not I, but Christ in me. Be gone. Notice he doesn't say lay your hands on him. No, you have the authority from here to there to just say, you're out. Not because of me, but because of the name of Jesus Christ. You'll see it in a second. Power and authority to cast out demons, evil spirits. Does our world need that? How many suicides are happening? How many people are at generals right now? How many people are just bound up by their own sin or crazy? Our world needs us to do what God sent us to do. But you can't do that unless you stay for and wait for the promise. Because if you go without the power, you're going to look silly. And it might hurt you. Prayer. Signs will accompany these that are believed. Prayer. You saw Jesus get away and pray. He practiced talking to God. Prayer in the Spirit. New tongues. I have to explain that another time. I'm not going to get into that. It's a whole message in its own. I'll get there. Can't teach what you don't know. I'm learning. Number three, protection. So this whole snake thing, I mean, you'll, you'll see some other passages. I could go all over Scripture and show you. Satan was a snake. He took on the form of a snake. Serpents, scorpions, venom, poison. That's evil. That's not supposed to be there. God didn't say, hey, well, let's just go kill a bunch of people. That's all a product of the curse. So, protection from the evil one. The last one, power. I mean, how do you say authority again? Power. Power to heal the sick. Okay, now I want you to keep flipping. Look, look take your Bible and start flipping through Luke. One, two, three, four, get to nine. Get to Luke chapter nine. I want you to see it. You're, in case you're like, well, I don't believe that's for today. I don't believe that's for me. Jesus didn't do that with his disciples. Why would we do that? Why did he say that to his disciples? Was that the first time they heard it? Okay. Luke chapter 9, look at verse 1. And he called the twelve, that's Judas included, the one that's going to betray him, together, and gave them what? Power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. 
and he sent them out, you're like, where's the prayer part? The one thing that the disciples asked him to do was teach them how to pray. But prayer is like the secret, private thing. So it took them a while to be like, hey, what are you doing? We want that. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. Look at verse 6. And they departed and went through the villages preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Okay, flip the page to chapter 10. That was the 12. Chapter 10, look at what it says here. This is 72. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him two by two to every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful. Do you know how many people God wants to save? A lot of people. He's not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to the knowledge of Christ. But the laborers are few. The amount of people who are actually going and doing the mission are few. Therefore, pray earnestly. I would say pray in the Spirit to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers to His harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Does it feel like that as a Christian? Feels like I'm a little lamb. Bah, bah, bah. Dumb, stupid, wandering. And I'm out there and I'm getting crushed by a bunch of wolves. Ripping, tearing. This is, this is normal. This is Christianity. This is what it's supposed to be like. Ugh. But when you have the authority and the power... A little tearing, well, it'll be all right. I know who I serve. All right, look at verse 17. This is just going to crank you up. Verse 17. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, woo! I added that. Even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, yeah. Because he's in the spiritual realm more than we are, right? He's like, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Big grin on his face. I added that too. Okay. Behold, listen, I have given you authority to tread on serpents. Now we're walking on serpents and scorpions. What are serpents and scorpions? Evil spirits. I'm letting you crush evil spirits. I'm letting you stomp out demons. You have authority in my name and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Like, where's all the stories in the Bible about people drink, drinking poison and not dying? How many times have you ate something? Something at a restaurant or something? Should have got sick, didn't? Because the Holy Spirit's inside of you? You'll never know. I'll never know. I don't think there's any stories about that. 
That's just the protection of God over your life. How many times did you not get hit by a car when you were looking down at your phone? Truth in church? (laughs) And God protected you. God caused them to stop or swerve or... Timing is everything, and God's in control of time. Nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that you have spirits, right, subject to you, that the spirits are subject to you in my name. Let's add that. But rejoice that your names are written in heaven. All right, I got to be done. It's time. I have so much more to say. We can, we can get it all later. It's 1130. I'm thinking about the children's workers. I have so much more to say. There's so much more we could do. But let's just end right there. Don't rejoice in the fact that your authority over evil spirits, that would crank me up. People are getting healed. That would crank you up. But you know what you should rejoice in, church? That your name is written in the book of life. So let me ask you. Is your name written in the book of life? Have you believed Jesus Christ? Have you repented of your sin? Have you been baptized in water showing that that is true? Because everybody that believes, they get baptized. And then are you pursuing deeper water than that? What could be deeper than dying to myself? Living in Him. Dying to yourself is the start. Living in Him is a lifelong journey. He's going to teach you more and more from His Word. If you'll let Him. Last week I said, let's read Acts. I got to verse chapter 12. Did you get, anybody get through it? Read Acts. Do what it says. Read Mark. Do what it says. And when you start doing it what it says, teach others. That's what the Bible prescribes for us. That's the mission. And it's mighty because God's almighty. I was going to flip over to Luke chapter 24, the the passage that we've been taking this series from, verses 44 to 49. At the bottom he says, Stay in the city. The Father's sending you the power. Don't move till he comes. How confusing that must have been to the disciples when in Galilee, or even on the first day, he had said, Go. So, which is it, church? Are we staying or are we going? You must stay. You must stay. You must be dependent on the Holy Spirit at all times in order to truly go on mission with a mighty message. You must stay. This isn't just a series. This is a lifestyle. You must stay in the secret place. You must stay in the Word of God. You must stay in prayer in order to go with a mission with the mighty message. All right? Clear? It's as clear as I can make it. Let's stand and pray. God, we love you. 
We came here to learn. We've learned a ton. I don't know. It's like drinking from a fire hose. But God, we're so thirsty and we're so hungry for you. And now we just want to fill up everybody else. So as we go out of here, when we go to a restaurant or we're talking to one of our buddies, one of our ladies, I pray that we will be like, did you hear? Jesus rose from the dead. Did you hear? He gave us a mission. Did you hear? You're forgiven of your sins. You could be free. Did you hear? The filling of the Holy Spirit's a real thing. God, help us to go with your mighty message. Help us to tell other people in Jesus' name. Amen.